Welcome to Skills for Life, a podcast about high-demand jobs that are shaping future opportunities. This show is brought to you by the North Shore Schools Foundation. I'm Kira Dorian, your host and a North Shore mom. Let's get started. Well, today on the show, I have Joe Whitney. She is a medical statistician working on a multi-drug resistant tuberculosis trial, and she is all the way over in London. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today from far, far away. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm excited to speak with you, especially we were chatting before we hit record. You live in the same neighborhood I used to live in in London, so that is super fun for me. <laughs> I know. What a small world. I mean, great minds, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am honored to be placed in the same mental capacity as you. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the work that you do in the field that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. So my title is a medical statistician, and I'm working on a single clinical trial right now. So what that entails is a lot of data collection at the very beginning, and that can take anywhere from a couple months, for example, with the COVID trials where they had a ton of money to pump into them and they could get them done really fast or multiple years where like the trial I'm on, the data has been collected for about five years. It's a really intense treatment these patients are on. And then my work really starts now. The trial is over and myself and the other statistician working on this trial need to analyze it to help answer the clinical questions that doctors and patients are really interested in. And for this population, which is multi-drug resistant tuberculosis patients, or MDRTB for short, their treatment has been very long and very toxic. One of the side effects is that they can lose their hearing just from getting treated from an already terrible disease. And so the trial I'm working on and that others are working on is trying to shorten that and make it less toxic. And the data that we're analyzing now will hopefully answer that and can be implemented in real ways. Wow. That sounds really intense in, in a lot of ways. That must feel like a lot of pressure on your shoulders to be working on something like that. It is and it isn't. The team that I work with helps keep me rooted in the fact that we're working with real patients because I work with numbers. I don't get any identifying information about these patients unless it's really necessary, like their biological sex, because it can be uh, an analysis point, you know, did females react better than males or worse, their weight, but I don't get names. And I don't really have a sense of what these patients go through, especially because I'm I'm just kind of getting numbers off of a screen. And so the, the team I work with, they do work directly with the sites and they'll get updates with real details about the patients. It's really amazing volunteers and clinical trials, what they do for us. So hearing what they go through and the time and like not the risk, meaning health benefit risk, but just, you know, it, it is a new drug and there is a lot of ethics that go into how do you decide to treat a patient with a new drug versus what already exists? It's quite amazing. And then the work I do, the data, you know, the data is going to tell me only what's true. And so it can be a letdown if a trial doesn't go your way, but that's just the data. And so I, I try not to take that to heart too much. The stress is making sure that I'm analyzing it in the most appropriate way and using the the best tools and looking at it from the best angles, but really the data will just tell you the truth. 
Wow. So how did you get here? Tell us a little bit about the path you took to end up in this role and in London, no less. Yes. Well, let's see. So I will say that I was a pretty average B student in high school and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And that carried over into the university. I went to Western Washington University where I just kept taking math classes because that's what I had been doing ever since I was junior high, high school. So I just kept taking them and ended up getting my undergraduate degree in math. And that's where this passion for problem solving really showed itself. And after that, I honestly took quite a windy path. You know, I graduated with my undergrad in 2012 and I didn't start my master's in London, which is why I'm here until 2019. And so there were a couple different jobs between I was quite burned out after my undergrad degree. So I thought, you know, I think I'm just interested in problem solving. I don't think it's necessarily the math. And I found my way back to not necessarily math. I think if you talk to a hardcore mathematician, they would be offended if I told you <laughs> they, if I said I was a mathematician. But there is a lot of math that you do need to know to study statistics. And I don't want to scare anyone off by that because it really is doable. But I did miss that part of my brain that I was using, the analytical part. And so statistics, what's really nice about that is you can do problem solving in research in other ways in almost every single field because there's always questions that need to be answered in every field. And I was interested in the idea of kind of being a jack of all trades, the master of statistics. Wow. I love that. I think it's it's such an interesting thing that a lot of people might not think about, that statisticians are needed everywhere. And so if you have a passion, if you want to, you know, work in clinical trials like you're doing and, and be helpful in that way, here's a way you can do that with math. <laughs> like, that's amazing, yes. you know? I think that's mm -hmm. fantastic. So how do you see the field transforming over the next five to 10 years as our students are coming out of education and into this field? Yeah, that's a really interesting question when I've been thinking about a lot because clinical trials, like I said, this trial I've been working on, it's been going on for five years and the statistics used to answer the trial, there are people doing really amazing work in what we would call the methodology side. So they're trying to figure out, all right, well, here's tools that are usually used to analyze this type of data. Uh, what's really common in clinical trials is survival data. So how much time does it take for population A versus population B to experience a certain event? And people in the methodology world are saying, okay, well, to use that really common tool, we have to make these assumptions about the data. And a lot of times we don't believe that's true. So what do we do? Mm -hmm. And how it changes is some about the tools, but I really think that the pandemic was a great example of this is more the communication aspect because there's a field that's been pretty hot in the last five years called data science. And it's really murky. What's the difference between a data scientist and a statistician? And at some point, does it matter? And not necessarily. And some points it really does because a data scientist can do amazing things with data and summarize it and pull questions out. But a statistician has technical skills and knows what assumptions they need to be making. Not to say a data scientist doesn't know that because the fields overlap so much, but it's more about communicating 
what goes into your analysis, which I think data science is really showing statisticians of the world is, well, data science, you're really telling a story. And that's how humans like to take in information. And in the pandemic, there was so much information to take in. And I, you know, as a statistician, I was watching in London for the first couple months, the prime minister would come on with his chief scientific officer and chief medical officer, and they would give updates about the data and what was going on. And the next day in the news, there would be kind of summaries of what was going on. And the summaries of what was said in the, the reports the night before, I was like, well, that's not what I interpreted. And that doesn't mean it's, <laughs> I was right. But it's just, if I'm someone who's specialized in interpreting data and statistical reports, and I'm saying, I think this is still confusing, then, you know, what is everyone else thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if students are, their interest is peaked listening to this, and they're thinking that this might be a field of interest for them, do you have words of wisdom, you know, things they should be doing right now, classes they should be taking, thoughts around, you know, who is this field right for? Who is it not right for? What do they need to know? I think the beauty of this field of statistics is really anyone can jump in. I don't want to scare off any students that may have turned this podcast off. So I really hope your parents are still listening and they'll tell you what I'm about to say when I said that there is a lot of math in statistics because I had people in my cohort from all different backgrounds. So I, my master's, it was in medical statistics and it was a year long program they average between one to two years. And I was lucky that I had a math undergrad. But if you remember, I said I graduated in 2012. And so that undergrad was seven years ago before I started that master's. And I was able to brush up on stuff. But there were people that had political science backgrounds. We had multiple doctors, a cardiologist, people that studied biology. And they were all interested in the same thing as just how can we accurately answer these questions that we're interested in and then the way that they wanted to answer them happened to be quantitatively. Because I do know that there are people that can very skillfully answer a question qualitatively, you know, really using like human stories. And so I think that people who think about things more quantitatively, I mean, I should have noticed <laughs> this was sort of like a red flag for me. I took an art class in high school and I would, I just, my brain couldn't do it. It was too much cre creativity. We would have to draw something from a magazine, just like an image. And I would measure like inch by inch on the magazine, different piece of the image. And I'd copy that over onto my paper because I just couldn't freehand it. And that's, if you have a brain like that, I think statistics is right for you. And <laughs> I love it. If I, I don't also, you know, I'm a very social person. I think that there's this idea that to be in math and to be in statistics or analysis that an introvert is more suited to that. And I would say on the scale between extrovert and introvert, I'd probably be more toward introvert. And that's helpful because a lot of times it's you working on a problem, like working it through. But to be a good statistician, you need to know how to communicate, not just with other statisticians, but with people who are going to interpret that data. And so if you really like explaining things to people or helping people understand and learning something in the process, I work with a lot of doctors on this trial and I can come to them with the data set I've prepared saying, wow, look at what we saw here. And they are like, 
okay, whatever, that's fine. But we're actually interested in this little piece that you didn't explore because you didn't think it was interesting, but we think it's really interesting. And I love that part of my job. It sounds really collaborative. Yes, exactly. Very collaborative. That's fantastic. Any last thoughts for our students? Anything that you think they should know or maybe there's people they should be following or organizations they should be working with or looking at or volunteering with? Any thoughts? I would recommend looking at, there's some great Coursera courses if people still use Coursera on R, the letter R, programming. That's a statistical programming language. And I recommend Coursera because they have really great intro videos on how to use R, which is, I think, a great gateway into this discipline because you're, you'll see really what a statistician will do with this programming language and what we have to think about when we import data. I mean, I don't get clean data sets at all. So there's just the whole issue of how do you clean a data set? And that's usually way more work than the analysis itself. I would follow scientists on any social media and see what questions they're asking because that can help you discern, you know, is it really that I'm interested in answering this question because it's the field itself that I like, or am I just interested in answering questions? And, you know, what about the scientific process am I interested in? Because that's how I found myself in statistics is I was like, well, I'm interested in all these questions people are answering. I don't, I don't want to live it myself. So if you're someone who kind of wants to know a little bit of everything or a lot bit of everything, I think this could be the field for you. That's amazing, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this great information with our community. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We hope you'll join us again and remember to hit subscribe to be notified about upcoming episodes. Join the conversation on our Facebook page, Build Skills for Life. That's Build Skills, the number four, and then the word life. Are you interested in advertising as a sponsor for this podcast? Contact us at podcast at nsdfoundation.org. To learn more about the North Shore Schools Foundation, visit us at northshoreschoolsfoundation.org. Thanks for listening.